Who is God? That's our series. We're on the attributes of God. If someone were to ask you, define God. Now think about that question for a moment. Define God to me. You'd probably find in a, some college classroom, university, for them to say something like that. Define God for me. What would you say? Um, well, it's a, is it just a Western cultural tradition? Is God just some sort of a religious tale that uh, men, uh, chauvinistic men came up to scare people? What is God like? A little girl was in deep concentration over her drawing. Her mother asked her, what are you drawing? She received the curt reply, God. <laughs> the mother suggested, sweetie, no one knows what God looks like. The little girl replied indignantly, well, they will now. <laughs> Who is God? Bible skeptic and trial lawyer of the infamous Scopes trial, Clarence Darrow said, I don't believe in God because I don't believe in Mother Goose. I think uh, the words that uh, the theologian Augustine might have application here. He who denies the existence of God has some reason for wishing that God doesn't exist. <laughs> Define God. A little boy was learning about God in church. He was talking to his mom about God, and she, not wanting to place any prejudice in the little boy's mind so that he could make his own decisions, she said, honey, God is not a man or a woman. God is not black or white. <laughs> To which the child responded, oh, is he Michael Jackson? <laughs> um, yes, it can be a little confusing at times who God is. But God is very real this morning, and he is an infinite God. Perhaps the greatest definition of God would be that uh, which is known as the Westminster Catechism. Catechism just means teaching. God is a spirit. This is a good thing to write down. God is a spirit. If you were asked to define God, some educator, somebody would say, who is God? You would say, God is a spirit, infinite. That's an important word. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being. And that definition includes the word infinite. Now, when we say that God is infinite, it's actually not an attribute in and of itself. Let me explain. If I was to say God is wise, yes, that's an attribute. If I was to say God is loving, yes, that's an attribute. But actually, the word infinite would be maybe an adjective, meaning God is infinitely wise. He is infinitely loving. He is infinitely merciful. God has infinite goodness. We can trust God today because He is infinite. Limitless, boundless, our God is infinite. 20th century devotional writer A.W. Tozier once said, an infinite God can give Himself to each of His children. He does not distribute Himself 
that each may only have a part of him. But to each one, he gives all of himself as fully as if there were nobody else. An infinite God can do that. And though this morning, the subject, God, is infinite. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I thank you for this truth, how my heart has been thrilled, how I have just, Lord, so enjoyed just uh, walking through your word, verse after verse. Lord, I pray that you will apply it to the heart. I pray that no mind will be uh, scattered this morning, but they will collect their thoughts, gird up the loins of their mind. Lord, I pray that it will be informational, it will be inspirational, and God, it will be motivational in our spirit by your spirit. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. With an infinite God, there are no limits. With an infinite God, there are no boundaries. With an infinite God, there are no constraints, neither from the outside nor from the inside. There is nothing that can be imposed on God's eternal, perfect being that limits Him. The Old Testament mighty man of God, turn to Job 36, please. The Old Testament mighty man of God, Job, had some sermonizing, quote, friends. Some of what they said was reasonable. The pessimist Elihu, one of the better of his friends, had a ring of truth when he said, Job, you need to see the big picture about God. That was true. Job 36 and verse 22, behold, God exalteth by his power. Job, do you have any idea how big and how powerful, how infinite God is? Who teacheth like him? Our God is a God of boundless power. Our God is a God of boundless energy. Sometimes if you're around your little three-year-old child or grandchild for a while, you'll say, oh my goodness, they have boundless energy. And it seems like it. <laughs> wow. You're just like, oh my goodness, how can they have so much energy? But all of a sudden their battery runs out and they fall face first into their food. I found a picture. There you go. <laughs> boundless energy? Well, then it stops. But because God is infinite, His energy is without limits. We say, for example, a person has limitless resources. Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, did you know that he is now the largest owner of farmland in the USA? 250,000 acres of farmland. Just to give you perspective, if you were to take the country of Romania, that's only 100,000 acres. And so I think you could say he has some pretty large holdings. But our infinite God, God owns all 195 countries, all 60 territories. He owns the North Pole and the South Pole. And in fact, the Bible says in Psalm 50 and verse 10, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> and he owns the hills too, amen. Our God is infinite. Paul weighed in on the importance of infinity. He said, only I wish that God would just inspire you to understand how infinite he is. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, that ye might be filled. That's what we need is to be filled. Sometimes we get filled with food or filled with grief or filled with laughter. God said, I pray that you'd be filled with the fullness. That's the word infinity, that God would fill you with the infinity of God. You'd understand just how powerful he is. 
unto him, verse 20, that is able to do exceeding, abundant, above all that you ask or think, according to the power that works in us. If there's an infinite God, then we can tap into that infinite power. We serve an infinite God. He wants to provide limitless wisdom. Do you ever wonder about what to do? God has infinite wisdom. If you're wondering if you, I just need strength. God has infinite strength. There are many verses in the Bible that reveal God's infinite strength and God's infinite nature. King David, for example, in Psalm 139 stopped and he said, you know what I want to do? In Psalm 139, many of the Psalms are praise Psalms. Some of them are a little different than that, but Psalm 139 is one of those wonderful praise Psalms. And in that, King David said, I want to just brag on God for a few moments. That's a pretty good idea, amen? I believe you ought to brag on God. We brag on a restaurant or we brag on our new fishing pole or our new car. Let's brag on God. And look what he says in Psalm 139, verse 7. Whither shall I go from your spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? God is a spirit. He is an infinite spirit. How foolish to imagine that you can get away from an infinite spirit. Verse 8, if I ascend up into heaven, you can go on up to the mount, top of Mount Everest, as high as you can go, a human can go, and yet you get to the top of Mount Everest, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Two years ago, humans went to the lowest part that's possible to go on earth. They went to the Challenger Deep in the Marianas Trench in the Pacific Ocean, 36,000 feet deep. They said the things that they saw down there are otherworldly. <laughs> you can only imagine what kind of creepy, crawly, swimmy things are down there at the bottom of that trench. And yet, God is there. God is, says here, you can go to the highest or the lowest, and God is there. Verse 9, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, if I sail off into the horizon... And I get there. I think they say that on a clear day, the horizon on the ocean is 25 miles away. 25 miles out to sea, you hit the horizon, as it were, and then go there, and God is there. That's what David is saying, verse 10. Even there shall thy hand lead me. I love that. Take that word there, circle it or highlight it, there. Wherever there is, God is there. That's because he's infinite. He's infinite in his presence and his power. Now let's go to Psalm 145, and we're going to kind of stay there for a while uh, this morning as we unpack that one passage where we're going to find three wonderful attributes about God's infinity. This is known as David's psalm because he's the penman, but I think it's known as David's psalm because he loved to sing it. You know, if you have a favorite song that you love to sing... I find myself whistling a similar, uh, familiar tune often, and people say, oh, I know. In fact, I remember one guy, when I started whistling, he started whistling because I'd whistled it so much. Well, that's what, that's what this psalm is. This is David's uh, whistling psalm, and he uh, takes this psalm, and in the first half, he just talks about how limitless and boundless God's nature is. The second half, what infinity means. Now, let's go to verse number two. In fact, let's read it together, would you? Everybody reading out loud. Ready? Begin. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. 
He said, the thing that delights me most about every day is just spending some time praising the Lord. Whether it be a few minutes or whether it be longer, the funnest thing I get to do every day is just to praise the Lord. He said, I meet with people, I talk with others, but when I get to praise the Lord, it's my best part of my day. What a, what a delight it is just to brag on the Lord and talk about the Lord. You know, you find some little gobsmacked teenage pimple-faced boy, and he finally sees somebody that's really beautiful, some beautiful young girl, and oh, that's it. I mean, he can't stop thinking about her and talking about her, and if he's ever around her, he can't even hardly talk. And then she kind of begins to wonder if he's a weirdo, but you know what? When they get, um, when they get smitten, man, that's all they can talk about. And when we are smitten by God, that's all we can talk about. And that's what David is saying here. He says in verse number two, he said, every day, in fact, all day long, that's all I want to talk about is the Lord. God has been so good. I've, God's just blessed me so much. And then he praises for three aspects of God's infinity. First of all, God's infinite infallibility. He's a perfect God, infinitely perfect. Look at verse 3. Let's read it together, if you would. Ready? Begin. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. You can't even imagine how great, how perfectly great the Lord is. Sometimes we refer to a vocalist that they are just great. I was reading, I think, a little trivia article this week about the world's greatest vocalists of all time. I was surprised that the number one was Stevie Wonder. I thought, well, okay. But uh, they had Luciano Pavarotti and all the other ones there. But we say about somebody who's a great singer, they are just perfect. They're great. Or an instrumentalist, they are great. My wife and I love to, sometimes used to, <laughs> go down to the uh, to Modesto, to the Gallo Theater there, and we used to, a couple times a year, go, go to a, a concert and uh, listen to the Modesto Symphony Orchestra play, and it's always a, a lot of fun. And one of the, I remember a few years ago we went, and I think the composer was Vivaldi, and uh, they were, it was a violin concerto, at least it was Vivaldi, or it could have been Elvis Presley, I'm not sure, but anyway... Um, but whoever the composer was, uh, they had a piece in here where the violinist would play, and the conductor told us beforehand it was the highest note ever played uh, in an orchestra. And uh, sure enough, above all the everything, that violinist, and there was no microphones, she was just playing, and I mean, you could hear that note, uh, just unbelievable. And I would say, that is great, that is perfect. Bravo! And, uh, you know, the, everybody cheered because of how amazing it was. Folks, God is perfect. God is great. And He hits all the high notes. His holiness, unsearchable, free from defect. He's infinite. His knowledge and wisdom, free from any limitation. Unsearchable, David said, infinite. His love, free from any boundaries. God loves anybody He wants, all that He wants, everybody that He wants. God's love is infinite. There's another one of Job's friends in Job chapter 11. His name was Zophar. He was one of those miserable comforters. <laughs> He's the kind of guy that 
one of the guys that would pour vinegar on a wound just kind of for fun, just see what would happen. But they are very strong words, and actually, sometimes these friends are right on. This time he is. Job 11, verse 7. Canst thou by searching find out God? Hey, Job, try to explain God. Just try to explain God. Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? Do you really think you could explain the greatness of God's power? Verse 8, he is as high as the heaven. What canst thou do? Higher than you can ever imagine. Deeper than hell. Deeper than you can comprehend. What can you know? Really, what could we really understand about the depth of God's infinity? Verse 9, the measure thereof is longer than the earth. Stretches farther than the horizon and broader than the sea. God's power and wisdom and infinite nature is wider than any ocean. And so God is unsearchable. He is perfect. He is infallible. Jesus in the Gospels, I think, settled any doubt whether God was perfect or not. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Be therefore perfect. Even as your Father in heaven is perfect, God is perfect. He is infallible. As an infinite God, He is perfect. Never missed a note and never did anything but the right thing. Ted Turner, who founded CNN, one day blasted evangelical Christianity in a speech to National Press Club. And here's what he said, and I quote, remember heaven is going to be perfect, therefore I really don't want to be there. Those of us who go to hell, which as media will be most of us in this room, (laughs) you know, the idea that uh, I don't want God because he's perfect, what a sad commentary. And I uh, don't think he was much far off on his comments for sure. The fact is, Christians are not perfect. Hallelujah, God is perfect though. God is infinitely perfect. And whereas we may not be perfect, I'm glad that when Jesus saved us by his blood, he made us perfect. He gave us a a sinless life and he wrote our name in the Lamb's book of life. The truth is, yes, Christians are not perfect, but God is. There are three aspects of the infinite nature of God. He's infinite in his perfection, his infallibility. Number two, he's infinite in his eternity. Look at verse four infinite in his eternity. Now, it's good to know that God is infinite. What's better news is to know that he will always be infinite. He's never going to run out of goodness or love or wisdom. David said, one generation just keeps learning it, passing it on to the next generation. Verse 4, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. One generation just tells another, God is so good. The next generation gets it, tells the next generation. And there's not one generation that that truth goes out of. It just keeps, it's true every generation. What a great thing to know. Because, you know, things change, but God never changes. His word never changes. His truth never changes. Have you ever gone to a place, maybe a restaurant, and had some great food? Boy, you come back, you rave about it, you tell others about it. And maybe you wait a bit, maybe even a few months or so, and you say, let's go on back to that restaurant. So you go on back to that restaurant, and you're like, man, what happened? It just doesn't seem to taste the same. My wife and I love Thai food. I really love Thai food because peanuts and hot stuff, and I just love Thai food. 
we found a Thai food in town, and boy, I'll tell you what, we loved it. We went back a couple of months later, and it, uh, it just wasn't the same. <laughs> Maybe it was the same. I think it was the same food from two months earlier, but anyway, um, whatever it was, it didn't taste right. And I was thinking, man, what happened? But, uh, you know, restaurants come and restaurants grow, except for In-N-Out Burger. But uh, God never changes. His love, His wisdom, His love, God never changes. You'll never be disappointed with God. Like the old gospel song says, the longer I serve Him, the sweeter He grows. The infinity of God in relationship to time, God doesn't ever cease to exist. Look what it says in Psalm 102 verse 12, but thou, O Lord, thou, O Lord, your eternity you endure forever, and your remembrance unto all generations. Now, when we think of God or we think of uh, our salvation, sometimes we talk about everlasting life. And to our minds as a human, that means that from this point forward, I'm going to have eternal life. And that is a good definition of everlasting life. A better definition is thinking about eternity. And that is that God, an eternal God, doesn't just from this point forward, but this linear line would be forward and backward. It is just a never-ending line back and a never-ending line forward. And that's certainly a better understanding. But when we talk about God being infinite, it's even greater than that. We're saying there are no lines because you can't put God in a line. There are no spatial limitations to God. God is infinite. He is in the indivisible present all the time. He is never, we have past, we have future, we have current, or what we're doing, but God doesn't have that. God doesn't have a past. He doesn't have a future. He is in the eternal present. Why? Because He's infinite, it is in eternity. Now, what's that mean to me? That means that God is always there. There'll never be a time when God won't be there. In the middle of the night when you're there praying for your child who has a fever and you're praying, oh God, break this fever. You'll know he'll be there because he is infinite in his eternity. When you're called into your boss's office, you're kind of wondering what in the world's going on and you have that flare prayer. You don't have to wonder if God's there because of his infinite nature. He is there. A skeptical man offered a little boy, returning from Sunday school, hey, little boy, I'll give you a dollar if you would show me where God is. The little boy responded, mister, I'll give you two dollars if you show me where God ain't. (laughs) And that's true. Just show me where God isn't, folks. And that's what we need to remind ourselves. God is a God of eternity as well as a God of infallibility. And then number three, he is a God of infinite immensity. That means he's big enough to handle anything. Now, if he's infinite, I'm glad that he's perfect. If he's infinite, I'm glad that he's always eternal. He's there. There are no spatial limitations with God. He's, he doesn't have a past, a present, or a future. He is eternal. But number three, I'm glad to announce that he is also immense. There are no limitations, no boundaries on God. He's big enough to handle anything. Verse 5, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty, your wondrous works, your works so amazing. Nothing can 
contain your works. Nothing can control your works. Nothing can limit your works. And the men shall speak of the might of your terrible. That just means uh, awe-inspiring acts. And I will declare thy greatness. God's creation is absolutely amazing. He is infinite, an infinite God. I'm glad that we serve an infinite God. With an infinite God, He transcends every point in space simultaneously. God is not in one place and then moves over here and is another place. He is all there all the time. Have any of you been to Four Corners, USA? Perhaps you have. You've traveled down to Colorado, New Mexico there. If you go there, you can stand actually in four states all at the same time. You've seen the pictures there. Um, Four places all in the same time. Now let's look at that picture for a moment. And that's not us. I've been there. But uh, if you were to Four Corners USA, you could put a hand in one state, a hand in another state. You could put a foot in one state and a foot in another state. And you would say, there I am. I am present in all four states at the same time. But the truth is, God, that's not God. Because in this case, only part of me is in Colorado. Only part of me is in New Mexico. Only part of me is there. But in, if we were to use this illustration to explain God... God is all in one state, He is all in the other state, and yet He never divides. It's not like there's four gods right there. It's that God in His infinity has the ability to be everywhere all at once, and even more than that because He defies all spatial limitations. He is, now sometimes people say, well, how does it differ from omnipresence? Here's what omnipresence means. Omnipresent means that God is wherever He chooses to be. That's what omnipresence is. Knowing God's infinity of His nature, then that's even greater than omnipresence is because God can't even be put in a place. In omnipresence, He's in a place. In infinity, He's not even, can't be put in a place because He defies all spatial. And that's why uh, Solomon prayed this, 1 Kings 8 and verse 27. You may remember when we had our building dedication, we went through uh, 1 Kings chapter 8, the great prayer of Solomon. Here's what, Paul, here's what Solomon prayed. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain thee, much less a house that I have builded. He was saying exactly what we're saying. Heavens... The universe, the galaxies, all the galaxies put together can't contain God because God is uncontainable. The great Jesus prophet Isaiah, he reminded the Jews that they were so blessed, God was going to come back to them and he was going to bring them back into their land and he gave them all these wonderful promises. Look at verse, chapter 66, Isaiah is a unique uh, prophetical book because it has 66 books, just like 66 book, or it has 66 chapters, excuse me, just like the 66 books in the Bible. And the last chapter is kind of like the book of Revelation in that it gives all these wonderful promises. Look at verse 1. The Lord said, the heaven is my throne and the earth 
is my footstool? Where is the house that you would build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? Here he is saying that, folks, God can never be bound by any geographic location. Yes, you're going to go back to Jerusalem. And yes, there's going to be a temple built. But I will tell you, wherever you go, God is already there because God's is, he is an infinite God who knows no boundaries. There is nowhere that God is not. I saw the name of a missions group the other day said, uh, Doctors Without Borders. Doctors Without Borders, well, that's God. God is a physician without borders. He is always there to heal and to help. Now, what does this mean that we have an infinite God? Let me give you three wonderful implications of God's infinity. Number one, it is impossible to have only one infinite attribute. If God is infinite, then He is infinitely loving. He's infinitely merciful. But at the same time, He's infinitely holy. And He's infinitely a judging God. God can have both love and judgment in the same package. He can have both truth and grace in the same package. And it's infinitely wonderful in each case. In our limited thinking, we may say, oh, that person, they just have an infinite knowledge about something. For example, uh, Albert Einstein is widely thought to have one of the greatest IQs ever. And he was infinitely wise or smart about certain physics things. And he's the one who uh, came up with that uh, great um, equation there. But uh, Einstein, while good at math or good at physics, he would, maybe you could say he had infinite knowledge. He definitely didn't have infinite knowledge when it came to social skills. It is widely known. He had several wives, and the wives that he did have, it was a terrible marriages. He had so many affairs, they couldn't even name them. And so while he may be good in one area, he loses it in another area. But that's not God. God is infinitely wise and infinitely loving. God is infinitely merciful and infinitely holy all at the same time. Here, not too long ago, the late or Stan Lee a great American comic book writer, uh, died. He was the one, uh, they say, who founded the concept of a selective infinity superheroes, meaning it was the first time that you could have a superhero that had flaws. And uh, maybe you can remember one of the superheroes, Bruce Banner. I mean, he was the Incredible Hulk, but he had a definite flaw. If he got mad, then he became the Hulk. But you know, God is a superhero that has no flaws. And that may work in the comic book world, but I will tell you, in the real world, I don't want a God with flaws. I don't want a God who's going to get upset at me because I say something and then he goes off. No, I'm glad that our God is infinity. God is not holy some of the time. He's holy all the time. God's not wise some of the time. He's wise all of the time. We meet somebody and we say, boy, they're just so smart. And then something, they'll do something so stupid. You're thinking, well, they're not smart all the time, but God is smart all the time. Maybe that's why God in his own autobiography said about himself, Exodus 3 and verse 14, I am. What do you need? Wisdom? I am. I am wisdom. What do you need? Love? I am love. What do you need? Do you, do you need strength? <laughs> well, I'm strength. 
Anything you need, I am there in the present. In fact, he reiterated it. He said, I am that I am. <laughs> Just so you can know, this is a fact. I am an infinite God who am always present to be there for you. Now, uh, let's, uh, let's apply this a little bit more. In this world, we might uh, go to a certain professional for help. If we have an emotional problem, or someone does, they say, you need to get professional help. Or if you, these new cars now, especially these electric cars, are basically just a big old computer driving down the road, you know. You need a professional. You can't uh, set the points on those things like you can on my little 58 Volkswagen. It just doesn't work. You need professional help. Well, with God, He is the one-stop professional. I mean, whatever you need. He's not just a car guy or a He's not just a medical guy. God is there for all of us and anything we need. God is there for our life and godliness. He's better than Walmart. I mean, to tell you, it's one-stop shopping with God. And with Walmart, you may not be able to find that mincemeat pie that you were looking for. But our God, I've been, I was looking for one. I couldn't find it even at Walmart. But, uh, but God is there for us. It is impossible for an infinite God to have only one attribute. That means all of his attributes are infinite. Number two, it is impossible for there to be other unlimited beings. Now, the very nature of being infinite means there can be no other God. Let me explain. As a nation, for example, we are spending tens of thousands of hours, millions of dollars. We are looking for signs of life on other planets. Signs of life. <laughs> we just want to you know, a, a molecule of water or an amoeba or something that shows there is life out there. And some even are looking for intelligent life. I've even had some Christians say, Pastor, you think there's an intelligent life out there? Do you think there's a God out there? Nope. You'd say, how do you know that? Because of the doctrine of infinity. You cannot have more than one infinite being. Because an infinite being creates everything. And a created thing can't be as wise and as smart and as infinite as the thing that it created. The Old Testament preacher, Isaiah, clarified that. He said, hey, God's going to raise up a king to help the nation of Israel. His name is Cyrus. But the real king controls Cyrus. Look what he says in Isaiah 45 verse 5. I am the Lord and there is none else. Folks, take it to the bank. There's no other God. You can go to Mars. You can go to some far universe. They say, is there intelligent life out there? No way. No way. There cannot be because our God is an infinite God. And by the way, this answers a very seditious false doctrine. There's a false doctrine in the world, though people don't usually uh, name it. It is out there. It's a pervasive one. It's the false doctrine of pantheism. Pantheism says that God is all and all is God. They walk around, look at a tree and say, this tree is God. By the way, that's why the nature lovers and, the, and they, they, they're basically pantheists. You know, you know uh, to them, a dolphin is a person too. <laughs> That's their mindset is that this is, a, this is something that is, a, you know, like almost like a god. Ansel Adams, well-known American photographer, 
environmentalist, took amazing black and white photos. But Ansel Adams was also an outspoken pantheist. Now, why did he spend so much time taking pictures of Half Dome at Yosemite? And you've seen his picture. Maybe I think we had it here, Ansel Adams. But he's well-known and revered by all the environmentalists. Why was it? Because he took pictures because those were God. Half Dome was God to him. The trees were God to him. Pantheism allows for everything to be God. But the Bible allows for only one to be God. Is God everywhere? Oh, He's everywhere. But that doesn't mean that everywhere is God. If you were to go to India, one evangelical missionary said he remembers there in India, he was preaching. He would tell the folks about God. And in India, like many other false doctrines and false beliefs out there, many of those Hindu people were walking around, and he said he remembered one man was knocking on a tree saying, God, are you in there? Go to a rock. God, are you in there? And that's what a pantheist believes. They believe that God is in a rock or God is in a tree. When I was in Bible college, I worked at a men's clothing store, and I had this kooky guy that he had this frizzed out afro, and uh, he was a, a white guy, and he just loved his big old hair, and um, he chain-smoked, and we'd talk about the Lord. I loved him, and I witnessed to him. But uh, one day, we were in, his, in the room there, or in the uh, show floor there, and where all the suits were, and he, he said, that's my uncle over there. I looked over there. There's nobody there. I said, your uncle? He said, yeah, my uncle's right over there. I said, where? He said, he's that rack right there. I said, your uncle is that clothing rack right there. He said, yep, that's my uncle. I said, okay. And, uh, but uh, the fact is, uh, his uncle wasn't that clothing rack. Now, this guy was pretty skinny. He looked kind of like a rack. But I will tell you that that was not his uncle. God is not in that rack. Well, in a sense, God is everywhere. But the difference between pantheism and God's infinity is a big one, a huge one. Is God at a rock? Yes, he is. Is God at a tree? Yes, he is. But here's the difference. The God of the Bible commands everyone to repent to him. And that's not the God of the pantheists. They believe every God is an equal God. But the God of the Bible declares, Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. In fact, here, the preacher even mentioned it. He said, God winked at their sin in the past. But he commands all men everywhere to repent. And so, because of God's infinity, there can only, there, every, uh, every attribute is infinite. Number two, it is impossible for there to be more than one unlimited being. Number, two, number three, it is impossible for an infinite God not to be a real being. If he's infinite, then he must be real. He must be real to us. If you were to go down here to the University Pacific and enroll in this liberal arts college, and liberal is a, probably a functional word there, but anyway, you were to go there and, uh, for example, you were to go first period to the biology class, it would not be too long before the teacher would tell you that God is not a reality. There is no such thing as a creator. There is just absolutely no way. 
you would say, okay, you would have to, you know, agree to disagree. Then you go on down to the second period and you go down to psychology. And the psychology teacher will say this, religion is all about a God that is a psychic projection. It's a comforting idea for the mind, an emotional crutch, just wishful thinking. And that's nothing new. People for many generations, millennia, have been saying God is just some sort of a, a fallacy, some sort of a, a, a projection of the mind. For example, in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 23, there were these pastors. Go to verse 1 of chapter 23, and they were false pastors. And they were trying to convince the people that the idea of a personal God, no. He's, there is an intelligent being, but he's not personal. But with the doctrine of infinity, we know that God is personal. He has to be because he's infinite. He has to be right here with me. He can't just be somebody out there. If he's infinite, he has to be here right with me. And that's what Jeremiah said. Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Yeah, he's a God afar off, but not at hand. Can any hide himself in secret places that I see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Fairy tale, God's just a fairy tale. Strange things about this idea of God as a human fairy tale. How unlike humans he is. <laughs> if God is just a human fairy tale, he's the strangest human fairy tale ever. His infinite wisdom confuses us as humans. His infinite purity frightens us. His infinite sovereignty defies any manipulation. You can't bully that God. His infinite presence threatens our comfort. Most humans don't want a God, wouldn't create a God that sees everything they do. As Jeremiah said, a God at hand? No, if I created God, I would have this deism or theism where yeah, he maybe started the ball rolling, but that was it. There was just, just an intelligent life. No, that's, a, that's what a human would come up with. But the idea that God requires that I repent, that I give my life to him, that I do everything he says, humans wouldn't think of that. That's not a human thought. That's a God thought. And that's why we are grateful this morning that we serve an infinite God. Are you confused this morning about a problem in your life? God of infinite wisdom is there. Are you hurting today about a disappointment in life? A God of infinite comfort is there. Are you strengthening, excuse me, are you struggling today about some addiction in your life? A God of infinite power is there. Earlier I mentioned the great theologian Augustine. He was a great church father. He uh, probably was one of the greatest ones that reminded us of the importance and remind us how uh, of the importance of original sin. But Augustine said this. He said he was puzzling over this concept of an infinite God. And he was walking along the beach one day and he observed a little boy with a bucket. The little boy was running back and forth. He'd go out to the water, come back, and he'd pour it in a little sand hole that he had dug. Back and forth, back and forth. Finally, the great theologian stopped and looked at this little boy and said, what are you doing? He said, I am trying to put the ocean into this hole. Augustine said, it just dawned on him, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take the great immensity of God, that infinite 
power and wisdom and glory and the beauty and the sense of God, and I'm trying to put it into this little hole I have. He said, I can't do it. As I was thinking about that, I realized, you know what, folks? We may not be able to put the ocean into a hole, but thank God we can go and enjoy the beach. And that's what I plan to do with the doctrine of an infinite God. He is always there. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.